Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. I almost said Double Oz Seven. Um, <laughs> it almost feels like Double Oz Seven because, uh, well, Jack's pretty soon going to be going Pierce Brosnan. Uh, maybe not this week. Maybe next week. But uh, this will be the Oz Network's spy show, twenty-four, and we are now on to season four, episode number nine, three p.m. to four p.m. Uh, and there's a lot happening this week. Most importantly, we are finally there, Ben. We finally get introduced to Edgar's mom. Oh, oh thank is, God. Why is it taking this long? I, I don't know. know. I mean, count down the days. Jeez. And and Margaret, Aunt Margaret, Margaret. I think she's off playing bridge with Aunt Carol. That's why we don't see her this week. Oh, Margaret. <laughs> Bless her heart. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about, yeah, you kind of alluded towards these up- upcoming episodes, there are going to be some that you weren't a fan of in here. Uh, I don't know whether it was this one because I actually really enjoyed this week's episode. Um, what are we at? Episode number nine here. I didn't rank last week's episode. Um, I'll have to remember what I <laughs> Colin, did. Colin, I've that. told you you've got to learn how to rank. Come on, rank <laughs> rank hard. Um, yeah, so this week uh, there is, uh, I would say, a little bit of progress. It's not like the slowest episode ever, but uh, – we get a little bit of progression with the stories. And I feel like, uh, again, it's the actors that save the show here. Uh, there, there are some badly written scenes. There is some badly played drama where good actors really do save it, which I think is just going to be a common thing for the next couple of weeks here. And my name is Ben, and oh. I hate you. I've always hated you. <laughs> well, and my name is Colin, and you broke my heart, Ben. You broke my heart. <laughs> Isn't that next week's episode? Um uh, no, this week. Are you sure? Uh, oh, no, it is. You're uh, right. Yeah. No, yeah. no, I'm thinking about Paul. Um, <laughs> it's like he's getting there. He's getting to the name bit eventually. Uh, he's going to tell us when this episode aired. He's going to do all the, the stuff at the beginning, but no, we're getting nope. straight into it. All right, cool. This is what happens when I fall asleep for an hour and a half. Before what Avatar does James. to Colin, all right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we haven't done the episode yet, but that's what Colin, that's what it does. Thanks, James Cameron. Um, Listen to our thoughts on Avatar The Way of Water and... Uh, <laughs> How much sleep you can get afterwards. Colin's got shit to do. He's a busy man today. Um, this uh, next week is when it takes a real turn for the worse because I, I I don't mind this episode. I like this episode. I think there's one whole section in this episode. I mean, we talk up a lot about when you've got two great actors opposite each other and you don't always necessarily have to have like a massive action scene. Like You can just have a really good dialogue scene. And I think that's what we get in this episode with Kiefer and Academy Award nominated actor who we can pronounce her name every single week. Um, but there's some other good stuff in this too. There's some shit stuff. Don't get me started on Edgar's mother. Like seriously, I've been complaining about this for how long and we're here now. Um, screw you, Margaret. 
you killed Mrs. Styles. <laughs> it's all on you. But I'm also blaming Edgar because, as I said a couple of weeks ago, he knows where his mother lives. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Edgar, the shit son, I'll just wait until the plant melts down, then I'll give a shit about your mum. Like, come off can it. Can we also, can we just get out of the way now? It was Edgar's plan to risk melting down these plants, and he was the one who said, I can probably get all of them, might only get some of them. Yep. Oh, by the way, my mom's in one of these, so let's hope it's not that. This is where, again, get this out of the way with, like, this is where it clearly screams of the writers have gone like, oh, I know, this episode, let's create peril for one of our CTU agents, and it makes no yeah. sense. At least with Adam last season with his sister, like, that kind of makes sense because, like, you don't know where those zones of infection are going to be. So, like, that can come last minute to where Adam finds out, oh, shit, my sister's sick, she's going to die. Like, do I like it? No. But at least you mm-hmm. can explain it because it's more volatile. This makes no sense. Again, yeah. as I said the other week, Edgar knows where his mother lives. It's literally an island. It's St. Gabriel's <laughs> Island. Like, if there was an active volcano in the vicinity of Manitoba, near Winnipeg, and it was going to explode in the next 10 hours, and then I only give a shit about you on hour 11 after it's exploded, I'm an asshole. So Edgar is an asshole to his mother. I'm sad that his mother is dying, but it's on Edgar as well as Margaret. Yeah. Uh, There's somebody else who's going to be a big problem in this episode uh, for a completely different reasons that, uh, well, let's just get to them right away. Uh, we're going to start off with the the Iraz drama here. I guess the Navi side of this. Uh, Navi forces his way into some woman's apartment. Oh, this woman's <laughs> the worst. Here, here is and the, the worst the boyfriend. <laughs> oh, I, like I, I don't walk out of here. I'm going to throw you out, man. <laughs> I don't under. I, okay, I understand why they did this. They want to create suspense. We don't know where Dina and Baruz are. And I will say it's done quite well. Like I was suspecting even during the scene that maybe just behind, you know, Mr. Gigolo here, uh, we're going to (laughs) see Dina and Beirut in a closet. That's not what we get. But this, this lady here, I guess, friend of Dina's that isn't it his sister. Is it supposed to be your sister? I think it's meant to be Uh, a sister. I think maybe. A, there's a page on her here. So Farah is her name, a friend of the. Oh, friend. Okay, apologies. So, yeah, I thought it was. His, I thought it was a sister. Yeah, because we okay. will see the brother yeah, in this. Episode. I just thought the whole fucking family was hanging out in LA today. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess still effective. But like, I remembered this, and I don't know why. Of all things, I remember. It's not like one of these things where I'm like, oh, this is where you know she's caught with another man. But when the scene started, I'm like, oh yeah, this is that thing where there's some guy in her apartment and can't tell her husband or whatever. So, but, but I mean, still done very well. She's acting just weird enough that you think that maybe she's hiding them. He forces his way in there. Uh, Mr. Gigolo comes out here. Did you, she paid this guy, right? <laughs> like, I, I this don't is what she does we, with the spare time. Uh, did she? Like, I mean, do women pay There's for There's a page sex? on him. There's uh. a page on him. Hold on. He is Farah's lover. He has a page on Wiki here. I wouldn't think uh, she'd pay for him again. Like, I don't think women need to pay for sex. They're women. They can get sex whenever they want. Uh, I'm not saying that women are sluts. I'm just saying that women have the ability, if they wish to, have intercourse with another human being. It is an easier way of going about it than a man. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I just I want to know what this guy is. Like, is he a gigolo? She picked him on the street corner. Is this the grocery clerk? Yeah, I was. But I'm thinking, like, you know, she's married. He's a little bit younger. How did she get involved with him? Um, Colin knows nothing, nothing how about sex here. works. <laughs> I'm still attractive older women can get sh- attractive younger men. It's possible, <laughs> Colin. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how my children popped out still. I don't understand that. Um, 
Yeah, there's no information on him. He's literally Pharaoh's Pharaoh's lover. She was only trying to hide an affair, however, and her lover appeared and demanded that Navi leave. Navi threatened him with his pistol <laughs> when the man became physical, but then departed to continue his search. I love this uh, guy. It reminds me of like the Janet scene when she's laying on the street. Get off the street! <laughs> I'm going to kick so, your ass, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy's like so trying to tough guy here, Navi, and like, oh, he's put down in a second. Um, other than that, Beru's, uh, I guess, we'll, we'll quickly just say there's a quick scene between Dina and Beru's. We'll pick up with them later on. Uh, but uh, he thinks it's all his fault. She says it's not. And she's going to send him to uh, go find his uncle Nassim at the hospital, which I'm guessing is supposed to be her brother. Um, but uh, I keep mixing up their names here. I want to call him Nestor Araz. No, he's not oh, Nestor. Nestor. Nestor Carbonell. Nestor Araz here. <laughs> yeah. Nestor. <laughs> so Daddy Nestor Araz here mm. uh, decides he wants to call Uncle Nassim and or Uncle Uncle Nassim calls him. Oh yeah, Beiruz is here, and he basically says Beiruz is on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Detain him. We need to stop him from doing drugs. <laughs> He's into the smack. <laughs> I've been dealing with with disgusting people all day. Women sleeping, I guess, and drugs. I, I've got a question again. Like, as much as this episode is decent, I'm just mm. apparently choking on my own opinions here right now. Um, and the writing is nowhere near as bad as next week. Don't get me started on how bad the writing is next week. But like, there's so many things in this episode that just scream last minute writing additions. Why mm. the fuck do we all of a sudden have a storyline of the Arazas? Oh, our brother's a doctor. Like, <laughs> wouldn't that be your first point of call last week rather than going to random clinic of guy who's like, you didn't back up into it. Now there's a gunshot wound. Call the cops. Like, I mean, look, we've praised some of the terrorist action this episode, season. That's a sentence nobody should be saying. But anyway, <laughs> but then you've also talked about, about how they're kind of dumb. Like, the Arazas kind of have been smart, but this kind of just makes them look dumb and it just screams of last minute writing edition because mm-hmm. like maybe the writers have just gone oh fuck we should have done this last week oh well just do it now no one will notice no one will be podcasting about this in like 17 years bagging us out for it <laughs> nearly make it to 18 and get away with it because again why the fuck do you introduce Nassim the doctor brother not last week there's an well, I'm gonna cover Dina's story when we cover Jack because really once Beru's leaves here it's her own thing but there's a bit of a, a I'm going to say a little bit of a plot hole when it comes to them in this country. And you got to wonder, how is this team not connected to this if uh, they've been there so little? Uh, they, they really haven't been there very long. But uh, uh, Beirut does go see Uncle Nassim at the hospital. Aww. He says that he needs medication. Rip Nassim. Nassim just keeps putting him off, putting him off, putting him off. He, uh, obviously, he called Navi and Navi's on his way there. So he's trying to lay him. Beirut doesn't think he waited any longer. So he tries to leave. And this is where Uncle Nassim confronts him. Beruz, give me the drugs. <laughs> give me the drugs, Beruz. I'm on Team Nassim here. Like, think about this. Like, you've got yeah. nieces and nephews. If you, I mean, let's be honest, your nieces and uh, your nephews are probably going to be on drugs one day, just how they act. And, I mean, they message us all the time, so I get it. But, like, if, you know, like, I mean, you're an alarm person, so you're not getting drugs. But, like, if all of a sudden it, like, shows up to your workplace, it's like, Uncle Colin... I really need an alarm. Like, why do you need an alarm? Yeah. Oh, my dad, he's sick. He's going to get robbed. I really need an alarm. You're not just going to be like, all right, here you go. Like, you'll probably, or you would, knowing you, you would. But, like, any normal person would probably call up Ian and go, Ian, is, is Patrick okay? Like, I mean, like, like I think I'm on team to see me. It would be weird to call Ian because they're not his kids. Oh, but, I don't uh, fucking know yeah. the, the family <laughs> tree. Hi, you're, you're, you're listening here. You're now responsible for Patrick. 
I don't know. I know you've got a brother. I think you've got a sister. I can't fucking remember. Like, I know you've got kids and one of them never stops liking our shit. And I like your, I like your nephews. They're both great kids. I've met them in person, legally, of course. And they're fantastic. And I've met Ian and his wife and the guinea pigs. They're great. I've not met your sister. <laughs> the guinea pigs. So I don't know. Send me a, a the Colin Hilding family tree so I get this correct in the next episode. <laughs> My point is I'm on team to see him here because he's right. Yeah. Like 17-year-old Bruce, I need some drugs. Why? Yeah. Mum heard her back. Okay. Yeah. Like you're not going to see you. He's doing it. You're a good doctor, Nassim. Rest in peace, Nassim. I, I also, Beirut, I, I really am very torn week by week on whether yeah. I like the actor Same. or I ever, I don't like the actor, but there's things that he does here. Like when he's talking to Nassim and he's just shouting, my dad is a terrorist and we've killed people. Like if I'm a security guard around the corner, I'm not, I'm coming and I'm going to pin you down and arrest you right Thursday. there. Oh, here we go again. My dad's a terrorist. <laughs> oh, oh, he, he learns we've killed people. Keep your voice down, Beerus, you know? <laughs> uh, don't air your dirty laundry in public. Um, Navi is eventually going to find him here, and we get a fantastic scene. But uh, I will say, in defense of Jonathan Duke, the actor who plays Beerus, this is how a 16-year-old kid is probably going to react. They're not going to be thinking, maybe I should keep my voice down. They're going to be heated. And this scene that he has coming up, I mean, he's going to stretch into next episode as well. Uh, but there is a total Godfather, like 100% believe that the writers were referencing the Godfather here, where uh, my opening line where Navi is just, you broke my heart, Beruz, you broke my heart. That is a Godfather line that um, uh, Al Pacino quotes his brother in the Godfather part And the Padme Amidala line. You're breaking my yeah, heart. Breaking my heart. <laughs> oh, there's so many Star Wars lines in the next couple episodes here. I've got Star Wars quotes all over the place here. Uh, but uh, uh, I guess we'll get to the uh, the shoot after this. Just the um, uh, Navi and Baru's showdown here, which is also the I hate you. I hate all of you. <laughs> uh, and then the slap across the face. So we'll pick up with them a little bit later on. Look, I, I, I agree with you completely about Baru's. And as I've constantly said, you know, they Daniel Craig in, in Tomb Raider. They Vince Vaughn him in Lost World. He just gets forgotten about. And it's, oh, remember Baruz? We don't. All right, moving on. <laughs> At least you get uh, Navi and Dina, like, conclusion. Well, you sort of do with Dina, but, like, it, it's more of a conclusion than you get with Baruz. But um, I think the thing that maybe comes across with Jonathan Adhut, Adhut, whatever his name is, I think he works well when he's with his mum and dad because it's kind of they've got that like I feel like Nestor and Sharia have kind of gotten that almost soap opera style of acting with that over dramatic nature which we love about the storyline and I think that he fits in with that and when he's not mm. acting off them he can kind of seem a bit stale and a bit like weird because Nassim here is not being like you killed my father. You broke my heart. And I turn to the camera. He's like, oh, what's up, Bruce? What's going on? Drugs. Oh, better call your uncle. <laughs> like, you know, he's acting like in a normal show, whereas everyone else is kind of going soap opera, which, yeah. And again, I I don't, like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm very much hit and miss on Bruce, but he's not, like, in three seasons' time, we're not going to be, like, listing the worst characters in 24. Like, oh, Bruce, yeah. he was terrible. Like, you'd be like, oh, Bruce was pretty good. Um, So I think there's that. But, like, can we just talk about how good Nestor Serrano is in this episode and next oh, week too? Like, fucking yeah. hell. Like, I love this. Like, as, as and I'm with you. Like, I, I vaguely remember there being, like, random woman cheating on it with a sugar daddy guy or sugar baby. I guess he's not a daddy. She's the mummy. So, like, 
it is tense, like because you, you're kind of like, oh my god, she's hiding him. But and but I love this actress. Like I kind of like I don't agree with her as a character. She's a bitch. But like I love this actress. Mm. She's like, this is my bedroom. You cannot walk in here. Like it's and it's tense and it's it's not over the top and dumb. Because then even mm-hmm. when you go, they're gonna bust you up, man. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> but like just the way he pulls the gun. Like it's just tense and it's just like nerve wracking and he's just like go back in the bedroom or oh like and the way he just leaves the room and he's just like you disgust me <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> like it's just and it kind of just feeds into the values of that culture you know what I mean and mm-hmm. like I love that and then just the stuff when like he's on the phone like Baruz is on drugs he's very disturbed boy you keep him there I will be there in 10 minutes. Um, and then the way, like, he shows up and, like, oh, like, I love the whole, like, I hate you. I've always hated you. I was scared of you until now. And then, like, the, I mean, I'm probably jumping in here with the drive out, but, like, very reminiscent of uh, Nina's escape in season mm-hmm. one. But, um, yeah, I love it. Like, it's, and this is this is why, spoiler I will buy this episode because I think that this storyline and the Jack and, and Dina stuff is so strong. I'm not going to rank this like higher than a lot of the stuff we've had before it, but this would be a mid-tier rent, lower-tier rent if it's not for some of the stuff between the Arazas and then Jack coming into it because, yeah, we're going to get to the mother stuff and the Marianne stuff, which is just so bad. Um, even the Marianne stuff next week. Isn't it? Well, she's in a coma for this week. Well, that makes sense next week, yeah. even more so. But anyway, uh, point is um, this stuff is up there with the best stuff of the episode. I think another thing with Jonathan do, like you're mentioning with uh, when he's working with his parents, particularly with Dina, because she had played his mother one year prior to this. Yeah. I mean, he not only already has experience with his actress. I mean, he has experience with his actress playing the same role. Um, but uh, it's, it's kind of sad. I'm not saying like this guy should have gone and become a big thing or anything, but he literally did almost nothing after this. I don't know if we ever went through his filmography, uh, but he did a couple of guest spots on TV shows. We'll probably get a couple him on of the movies show. I've never heard of. We probably could. I mean, he hasn't acted since 2017. And prior to that, he hadn't acted since 2010. So he very infrequently works. I'm older than um, him. There you go. Like yeah, he's years. born in 89. So, I mean, he would have been my birthday. He was literally born two years to the day after I was born. Ah, oh, Jonathan, let's be he, friends. He he might also be the only time they've ever hired somebody that is a teenager to play a teenager. I mean, Alicia Cuthbert was, what, like 18 when she, she was the show. But, teenager, she, yeah. but she was playing, you know, a couple of years younger. He is the age of his character, which I think another thing we can give a little bit of excuse for. Well, also, been- we should mention Nassim's dad. Yeah, rip the scene. I found a. I don't know if this is the same. There's a Johnny Adut on Instagram who only has sixteen hundred followers. I don't think it's him though. Um, oh, it could be. He kind of looks like an older version of Beirut. Yeah. Yeah, no, maybe not. Uh, uh, he's kind of like looks like some sort of like hippie dude now. He's playing like music and hanging out in the forest. Um, and and oh yeah, meditating. no, this is this is a. I think this is a different guy because I, I found a LinkedIn profile for a guy who's head of uh, marketing for a virtual reality company. And uh, yeah, this is definitely not him. But like but, he, like uh, he kind of like. You wouldn't be surprised if that was him. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like this is yeah. like a 50 year old Asian man. Like, oh, they kind of look the same. Um, but he's white. I also love the fact that uh, apparently Jonathan Adut has his own profile on SBS movies. Um, so uh, good for SBS. Good for Australia. Like uh, giving him his own profile. But um, yeah, look, uh, it's been a while since we've had an interview on the show. Maybe he, we can mm-hmm. put him on the list because. Uh, he would be an interesting one because I think, you know, I mean, we had Janet on the show, best interview ever. 
Uh, and we had Ross McCall from season nine and having just, you know, spent watch this, I tell you now, Ross McCall was less prominent than Barus is in season four. But, um, and props to Ross McCall, by the way, sharing some photos during the week of his Celtic love with Keith Sutherland wearing Celtic, William Devane and uh, Tate Donovan wearing Celtic jerseys. I just saw Celtic play here in Sydney, so I should have should have gotten the Celtic jersey. It could have been like Kiefer, Tate and Willem. You know, speaking of interviews, I was actually just watching a movie last night and I'm like, is that Jesse Borrego? Oh. I'm like, it is. It was a movie, Columbiana, um, it, that came out on like 10 Listen years Listen to our ago, interviews. Like They're great. They are. Um, so the CTU stuff, we'll get out of the way next. Um, <laughs> we don't see Marianne in this episode, like you mentioned. We also don't see Sarah. I feel like there's two characters you should be seeing. This explains yeah. Marianne getting knocked out less. It makes it next week be, worse. And, yeah, but it, it, there has to have been something where Aisha Tyler had some other prior obligation. We got to knock you out for a week because she's part of this plot. I mean, we basically get this opening scene, which... Really, I don't feel like this is followed up on much. Um, I mean, obviously, something's going to happen with Aaron, but this Curtis and Aaron scene where he's like, I warned you about Marianne, and she's like, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. And they basically conspired a lie to division. Don't tell them anything about Marianne until 5 o'clock. <laughs> we, we got two episodes. Which, I no, it doesn't get followed up from memory. And also, we, we lose um, Secretary Heller's personal assistant. But there's two things here. Like, I'll, I'll talk about my love for it in a second because I actually weirdly love this scene. The, the random scene that I love at the beginning of this entire episode, though, Curtis storming through CTU. He's just seeing Marianne hit ahead. And we've got random CTU agent. If you pay attention, it's like, excuse me, Curtis. Like, let's hand him a file. And he's like, not now. And then you see, like, poor little CTU agent. like, no, I just wanted to give him a birthday card. He just, like, walks off. But I, I love this scene. Like, I, I mean, I've talked about how um, Aaron's an inept boss, and I still stand by that. But, like, I kind of like this. Like, I kind of want this as a storyline. Like, Curtis and Aaron having like a, I told yeah. you about her. And she's like, don't you come in here. You told me this. Okay. What do we do here? <laughs> well, I fucked up and so did you. That is correct. We need to tell Division in five minutes. That is correct. How about you alter those files? How long will that take you? Three minutes. Uh-huh. Middle ground. We're on a winning here. Like, I just, like, I weirdly love this. I wish it was followed up on. And I wish we kind of had this Aaron and Curtis, like, team up thing. Because this is where yeah. I love Aaron. And Curtis is now, the, the writers have gone, hmm, he's kind of boring in the office. Let's switch him more towards field work, which we're going to see next mm. week. So, um, I don't know. Like, I ran him tangent. But I, I just love this opening scene. I think it works really well. The, I, I'm trying to figure out if this is at the point where they would have had the end game for Driscoll in, in she has what, five more episodes, maybe, uh, maybe four? I think she, like, Michelle comes in episode 12. I think she's literally in 12 episodes. I think it's like a, the direct halfway point. So, yeah, we've only really got three, four episodes of her left. So they would have See, to surely, you'd think. I'm with you. This scene is great. And I, that's why I was like, I don't remember this ever, you know, getting followed up on. That's kind of the problem I have with it because it, it's an interesting story. It's the thing that finally gives a little bit of depth to Curtis. Yeah. And it, it gives, I guess, Driscoll a little bit of that edge. Cause I've been saying throughout this, this season, if, if anything, they, they almost make you see it from Driscoll's point of view a little too much. Whereas you should be looking down on her more as like, she's not very good at her job, but she's so good at explaining herself. And, and I think also I, I, I really am loving, especially in this episode, Alberta Watson's performance is just unbelievable. Like she has at this point nailed this character. Like she doesn't have to, she, uh, just, just the fact she's so 
non-expressive and monotone and cold, you know, it fits with what they're doing with her character here and what they're going to be doing with her character in the next couple episodes. Um, but wow. If they knew that she's only going to be here for a couple more weeks, why bother even introducing this? Cause you could have gotten a lot of mileage out of this. But I think, you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And I think there are some elements with her character where they still go higgle to pig. I mean, next week we kind of have her like, Oh, Tony walks in. Oh, Jack vouches for you. You're our new best friend. And then yeah. it's basically like yelling at Edgar. That was out of line, Edgar. Like, like I don't know. There's just elements there where I still feel they're like they they hit it and then they don't. And Alberta Watson just nails this. And I just I feel like we talked about like sort of her acting recently. I feel that had this character been better, that she could be in talks for Emmy nods and that sort of because like mm-hmm. I mean I think if you realistically think back on season four and try and bookmark this and remember in a couple of years time. We literally have the halfway point of Aaron leaves, Michelle comes back into it. I guarantee you, you remember Michelle in season four more than you remember Aaron. And I think that's mm. like, you you go like, oh, that's the Alberta Watson season. But name me any 24 fan who can literally say an Aaron storyline outside of the shitty daughter storyline and what she does. Yeah. Whereas I think that you remember Michelle with what she goes through. And I think that at the end of the day, she's kind of the most, the least memorable CTU head because I would argue that moving forward, every other head of CTU we get, I mean, you know, like even when Karen comes into it, when you've got um, Nadia, you remember her, um, uh, FBI guy and the actor guy from D3 Mighty Ducks. We love him. Um, Thank you. And then even (laughs) here I am the least memorable. I mean, I think his name's Larry and it's Larry. Of course it's Larry. The, um, the dude in season eight in New York, like, He's on par with Aaron in terms of memorability because I can't remember his character's name. I'm pretty sure it's Larry. No, Larry's season seven. Anyway, the guy that in season eight is head of CTU New York before the most stupid person ever gets put in control of CTU, and I don't want to spoil that because you can't remember it, and it's terrible. But um, my point is, Aaron, great, not really, okay. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm really giving more of a free pass just because I see – how Alberta Watson's playing this and playing it so opposite from what you expect. This, this is going to sound, some people are going to say this is sounding sexist. It, it, I'm actually meaning sexist, it the opposite sexist, way. Sexist, Colin, sexist. <laughs> <laughs> but she's playing Driscoll like a man. And this is that, that double standard people always talk about in, in real life, even it's like, well, you know, guys uh, can act a certain way and they're sort of applauded for it. And when women act the same way, a lot of that, honestly just comes down to, you know, men and women are simply different. Um, But the way she plays Driscoll, she's playing him like Mason. She's playing like Mason with a little bit less attitude. And I feel like if this is a male character, you know, it's predictable, but this being a female character and her just being so cold and dismissive of people and non-expressive, it just, it works. It's just, it's just something completely different. So I think this is the episode with both her and Curtis where the actors and the writers finally got on the same page together and they said, this is what we're doing with these characters and everything just sort of clicks. Um, so yeah, I mean, this scene perfect that they're in it together. Um, the rest of the episode, I mean, we're, we'll talk a little bit. We can add anything to Edgar's mom, but basically the, the San Gabriel plant's going to melt down in an hour. Uh, anytime on 24 that they give you a timeline, it's always going to be on the hour. <laughs> It'll melt down within the hour. Um, Jack uh, has traced um, uh, the, the phone call that uh, Marianne made or Powell's phone to Marianne. So like, well, how did Powell and Marianne know each other? Who else did they talk about? They, they, they will find the other phone call here. So this is just a lot of the technical 
behind the scenes stuff where Edgar says, yeah, and I do like when they throw the little details in here, not just I'm going to enter the phone tracing program, but he actually says we got to get four rings. If we get four rings, then we'll trace the call. And this is how they're going to find uh, Dina and uh, Beruza's hotel later on. Um, they have uh, a scene here with the the people from the San Gabriel. Now, I love that they showed the guys at the San Gabriel plant. Same. Uh, but there is a real laugh out loud moment here where Heller, as serious as he could be, is talking about, yeah, I need you guys to get out of there. And the guy's like, I'm sorry, sir, it's too late for us. This man's face is falling off. <laughs> where do you want him to go? <laughs> the face repair is- shop? <laughs> Literally, skin is peeling off this man's face and Heller's like, all right. I want you guys go out there, go get a cup of coffee, get a hot dog. <laughs> you got the day off. From the, just get away from the radiation. It's like, sir, we are swimming in it. <laughs> My face is falling off. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this is where Edgar is going to call his mom, and his, his mom's dead anyways. Look at her; she's barely clinging to life. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel Damn. more bad for Adam. <laughs> Adam, we never see Adam's sister, do we? No. I don't remember it. No. Yeah, and and I feel like that's we still kind of trash the Adam's sister thing, but I think it's far more effective not seeing them, especially since we know that you know by the end of this episode, Edgar is just gonna stay at work. Like I almost would rather we didn't see this old lady, partly because I hate old ladies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till Jamie gets old. I hate you now. <laughs> I hate all of you, all you old ladies. But uh, I mean, it is. It's the funny thing is, it's not a bad lot for Edgar and I feel like this is the one guy that this isn't completely annoying with because Edgar does have a bit of this innocence about him so making him a, I don't want to call him a mama's boy but just having him be his mother it, there, there's something about the way that Louis Lombardi handles this scene with uh, Driscoll later on I think that kind of works um, before we get to that Audrey's given a job I need you to coordinate the state police and the uh, national guard so they don't step on each other's toes and I love where Edgar comes to Audrey for help and she just holds up the finger to him one second it's like all right 25 percent of the evacuees are not going where they need to go <laughs> like she's just so on the ball here and this is it's it's a little detail that she gets sidelined from very quickly here but to see that like she's one of these people that give her a job. She'll do it. You know, she's not just sitting around. They're giving her purpose in the show. Um, she can't really do anything for Edgar's mom. And uh, Edgar decides that he wants to go. What outrun radiation. I mean, this is the funny thing. Cause she even says on the phone with them, they're saying that it's only 15 miles away. The radiation club's only 15 miles away. Edgar who's in Los Angeles right now tries to walk out the door <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to take Paul's plane. I'll beat it there. <laughs> like there's no way that this is ever going to work. But yet because it's Edgar and he has this innocence about him, I kind of believe that like in his mind, he's not thinking straight. Driscoll's scene with Edgar here is again, one of the best scenes in this episode. This is why I said at the beginning, the actors make this because the writing is so cheesy in this scene. Um, and the writing's even cheesier with the, the goodbye scene with the, you've been a wonderful son, Edgar. <laughs> I love you. I love you too, mom. Any Anybody else handling this thing other than Louis Lombardi? And, and you know what? Watching this in 2005, I may have hated it. And I think that this could be a thing where you grow to love a character. So maybe I'm looking back on this differently. But in a way, it kind of suits him. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the CTU stuff here with that, that Aaron scene where she talks him back into going to work, which is just basically going to become Driscoll's job going forward. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm appreciating Driscoll's character a lot more on this rewatch now, because I'm realizing she's dealing like we, they, they had ideas for this season where they wanted to be bad office morale, a lot of, backstabbing off office politics and she's stuck in the middle of this. And in a weird way, I kind of like that. She just becomes the babysitter where what is the most extreme situation you can put this woman in where she has to talk somebody back into sitting down at their desk. And next week's going to be even more hilarious, (laughs) but that's what she does. Your mother's dying. Okay, great. Go, go sit down, go plug some things in, go open some sockets, go. Give me that passenger uh, list. (laughs) <laughs> Give me a passenger list. She's having to talk these people in. It, 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 the writing's not good as far as what the drama is, but I feel like it, it's doing something differently in CTU that maybe we haven't seen before. It's just not fully explored, but I appreciate the effort and what they were going for. I just like, I have the random song stuck in my head now. Edgar's mom has got it going <laughs> on. She's all on. And I does want. she ever? <laughs> Waited for so long. Edgar, can't you see? You're just not the man for me. <laughs> I know it might be wrong, but I'm in love with Edgar's mom. Oh, you know, I don't know if you know that the, the, the band Fountains of Wayne, yeah. uh, they, their, their other more famous song, Radiation Vibe. Man, they really were into 24 here. We got Edgar's mom, they we are. got Radiation Vibe. I we sh- can put together a 24 soundtrack with Fountains from Wayne. I'm not a TikTok guy, but I still sometimes watch like the Facebook or the Instagram reels. You know, you get sucked down that rabbit hole. And um, I saw one last night. It was a guy basically going like, Let's reevaluate Stacy's mom and like he basically like sings the lyrics and it's like there's a lawsuit going on. He's just a child. <laughs> like this is wrong. I always liked Stacy in that film clip. As a boy, I was like, oh, Stacy's mom, Rachel Hunter. Sure, she's hot, but you know, I like Stacy. Like who's this Stacy? Anybody? Well, I don't know. Like in the film clip, I don't remember. They would- kids and I was a kid at the time when it came out I just want to say I was a kid at the time when that song came out as well so just clarifying it now I don't watch that now as a 35 year old oh look at that 17 year old she's hot probably 15 I don't know anyway um before I talk about the Eggers stuff again it's the cliche thing but I'm going to do it anyway how good is Kim Raver like just yeah like you think about it's kind of pointless what she does this week and We've talked about this a lot in some seasons about, oh, let's get Kim to do something. Oh, let's get Michelle to do something. We need to have them to do something. They're kind of pointless. But I just feel with what all they do with Kim Raver is they always give her something that is actually important and also she gives her all into it. Like, it's just like literally like, hmm, we've got Audrey in this episode. What do we do with it? I don't know. Make a call to cops and do something. So like her dads are like, I need you to do this. Okay, dad, I will. And then you're right. Like Edgar's like, Audrey. She's like, not now, Edgar. I've got police to deal with. And she's just like, no, I said this and I said that. Blah, blah, blah. And like, I think talk about this whole strong female character type of archetype that we're so quick to point down on. You think about what they do. Like, She's literally been kidnapped and was like crying, thinks she's going to die like four hours ago. Now she's like balls to the wall, like badass Audrey that I've talked about in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Like we didn't get this with Kate in season two, did we? Kate was just the damsel in distress. Um, whereas like Audrey is fucking badass. Uh, and even like more badass than Terry, no disrespect to Terry, but like, I mean, Terry was getting amnesia, riding cougars and speaking about <laughs> random doctor guys and all this kind of stuff. Like, 
Tara was a badass every now and then, but she was definitely more just passive in the background. And then we're going to get Renee, who, I mean, she's an agent, so she's automatically a badass. So I don't know. I just feel like we need to talk up the badassery of Audrey Reigns more often because she's awesome. Love her. Um, Edgar's mum, she's got it going on. Um, but, like, <laughs> this is just – I hate this – constant CTU agent or CTU workers family drama. Like we just, we've always got to have it. Like mm-hmm. you'd even argue season one had it with Jamie's like, you know, son coming in and stuff like that. Like it wasn't oh, yeah. to the element of what we get now, but like that's tolerable. Season two, obviously with Michelle and fucking what's the face and what's his face. Last season, Adam's sister. This season, we've got this next season, we're going to have Sean Aston's sister. At least with Sean Aston's sister, it kind of, it's got a purpose. Like you don't feel it's got a purpose, but like literally the reason why they do it is to bring in a pretty serious uh, storyline. So as much as I don't like it, I can still forgive it. Season six, it's all about Jack's family. So don't even get me started. Um, season seven, there's like an affair going on in the office. So like, oh, okay, well, yip de And then season eight, Oh, well, I mean, I guess the whole thing with Frankie Muniz. Uh, Frankie Muniz. Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> miss him in 24. Um, You're not the boss of me now. <laughs> what's his face? Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. That's not even a friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, Katie Sackhoff. Oh, can we just take a moment to remember Katie Sackhoff? Cable sent me a link the other day that there's um, Australia's version of – we do have a Comic-Con here, but I think our biggest one is called Supernova. And uh, Katie Sackhoff is going to Melbourne Supernova. So if she ends up coming to Sydney Supernova, I'm not one of these people who likes to pay for like that because it's kind of cheating when you meet someone by you're paying them for them. It's not the same mm. as if like you meet them somewhere else or you interview them, whatever. But I would be like willing. Like sex, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I would I would be willing to drop some money to meet Katie Sackhoff because that's a woman. But anyway. Is it- yes, go ahead, Cole. Is she supposed to be in 20, uh, not 24. She's supposed to be in 24. She's uh, Mandalorian right. season three. I'm assuming she's coming back. I think so. Not sure. Wasn't she meant to be getting a spinoff? Well, uh, the the Ahsoka spinoff. I wonder if it's going to include her. Yeah. Oh, she's just what a woman. Uh, I, I I I would watch. I've never watched Battlestar Galactica in my life. I would watch it for her. Like, it's good. Yeah. It, it it goes downhill after she leaves. To be honest. Well, that with Nip Tuck, like she literally was playing like this evil character at the end of season five. And I think she left to, I don't know if she left to do 24, but she left at the end of, and they didn't want to get rid of her character. So they recast her as Rose McGowan. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is she just the go-to if you need to recast in any TV show? I know show we've talked about this between you and I before, but like <laughs> Nick and I, like, oh my God, like you cannot go from Katie Sackhoff to Rose McGowan. <laughs> That's like replacing me with Rocky. Like, I mean, it just, it does not the same, right? Well, probably better, but uh, look, I, I will give it to Lewis and Bart. Like he, like the acting and the emotion in this is maybe the best of all the random side characters, but it's just, yeah. I can't look past it because again, it's the least excusable because it, it really does make Edgar look like a boob of like, well, why weren't you doing this three hours ago, mate? Yeah. And then like, it's, and again, you could argue, all oh, this just shows the type of character he is. He's so into his work, but like, I'm sorry, but like if he loves his mum this much, it's kind of on you champ. Like you should have been doing this earlier and not waiting till it actually fucking exploded. Um, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. And the, the thing too is that it kind of go, it comes out of nowhere and it goes nowhere. Like it, it, it comes in this week. I think we're going to mention it next week. That's it. Oh, well, remember Edgar's mm. mum died? Sad. 
Um, there's a, there's there's one line I want to talk about this actress uh, Edgar's mum got going on, but um, there's one line when the emotional line, which is all like you know, like oh, I'm going to a better place and I'll see you there, but hopefully not soon. I'm like, oh, don't say <laughs> that. Uh- <laughs> Because <laughs> we're going to get a very memorable sequence next season, but um, yeah, like I think the acting saves it from being absolutely woeful. But I just, I just hate it. I just do not like this storyline. But Nancy Le Nehean Charles is uh, this actress's name. Apparently, only started acting in the '90s, so she was a, a late bloomer to the acting world. Been in a lot of things, but I best know her right now as a uh, quite prominent side character in Young Sheldon. She, uh, she's, I think, the desk clerk in the church. She's quite funny. So, um, young Sheldon's Nancy Lennon Charles. Here she is. I want to, I want to start doing a count to see what TV show you bring up the most when we cover other things. Is it Third Watch, Blue Bloods, or Young Sheldon? You can't lump Third Watch into those two. All right, hello, like Third well, Watch. Well, I'm just thinking the ones you mentioned the most. Well, third, well, I do, but third, there's a reason we've covered. We're the exclusive podcast. I cover Third Watch. Shut up. But whereas Young Sheldon and Blue Bloods, you know, they're just like the what's a food that you just you don't really like, but you just eat because it's sort of got some like, oh, I'm a bit. I'll eat a piece of bread. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean. Celery. Does anybody ever like celery? Yeah, no one goes out of their way. Mm, I'm going to go to my favorite celery <laughs> restaurant. Like, well, that's a good point. Like, you just you put celery in your your chicken, your your stir fry, whatever it is, right? You just eat your celery. Actually, having said that, Louise used to love celery, but that's why I'm not with her anymore. But like, <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, I put a young Sheldon blue bloods because it's like ah uh, yeah, I've, I've I've committed to this now. I better watch it. Could I tell? Like, I literally binged eight episodes of Blue Bloods in the last two days. Could I tell you anything that happened in them? Not really. Um, do I need to have watched those eight episodes to watch episode nine? Not really. But, like, it's just harmless fun. I'm sure you've got shows that you still watch to this day. Oh, yeah. Where it's just I like, mean, why do I still watch CSI? Freaking, I don't know, Winnipeg. I don't know. Before we uh, start recording, before I fell asleep, before we started recording, and then Jamie went into mom mode and messaged Ben that I had fallen asleep. Um, Thanks, <laughs> I Jamie. was watching the uh, – I was trying to catch up on the, the Star Wars animated series, The Bad Batch, which yeah. – is is a nothing show. I mean, I love the Clone Wars. I don't mind Rebels, but I'm like, oh, the new season's coming out, so I got to watch it because I'm committed to it now. Yeah, I mean, fuck, I still uh, watch Manifest for that exact reason. Oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> now you lost me. Um, update here. Uh, Edgar's mom might actually be closer to Stacey's mom than we thought. Uh, Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne, who wrote Stacy's mom, said that it was inspired by a real-life event when he was 11 or 12 years old, and one of his friends came up to him and said that he thought his grandmother, not his mother, was hot. <laughs> so the song Stacy's Mom was actually about the singer's grandmother. Um, okay. So Edgar's mom. Got it going kind of closer on. To She's got it going on, I guess. Well, fun uh, fact with Rachel Hunter, too, the, the woman who played Stacy's mom, of course, famously married or in a relationship with Rod Stewart. Or, yep. Yeah. And their son... I've seen play. He plays ice hockey. Uh, he, I saw him. He like he's eligible to represent England and New Zealand. And the one international match I ever went to between Australia and New Zealand, uh, Rachel Hunter and Rod Stewart's son was playing for New Zealand. So, hmm. Stacy's mum has got a famous son. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Jack stuff and really everything else is going on here. Uh, so after the helicopter explosion last week, Jack, ah, helicopter, ah, uh, <laughs> calm down a little bit. <laughs> but uh, uh, Tony, it just 
he spends this whole season just trying to give up. Yeah, Jack, I uh, I think I'm done now. I'm good. <laughs> Getting kind of hungry. Um, Jen's still back at the apartment. I think she's going to be expecting an some apology. Spanish football to watch. <laughs> I got to watch some little, some old Spanish game from the 80s. Smack my girlfriend around a little bit more. Uh, Dog shit to Jack, clean up. <laughs> Jack basically wants to talk back in. But here we get introduced to a character, one of these characters where I forgot he existed when he appeared. Nah. Like, oh, Yeah. Um, now this guy, the actor, Cameron Bancroft, uh, our oh. second 24 actor to come from my hometown of Winnipeg oh. along with, uh, Wendy Crewson here. But, um, Both this guy, compared. I remember well, around this time, he was like on the verge of being the next big thing because he had this big role in 24. And, uh, the same year that this came out, they did a reboot of one of the biggest TV shows of, of all time, Little House on the Prairie. And he was cast as the lead <laughs> on the Little House on the Prairie reboot, which I remember my brother and I watching around the same time this show was my airing. I love that show, and, actually. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> well, and and the, the the remake they did, which I completely forgot, because as soon as I saw this, I'm like, didn't this guy also do Little House on the Prairie? And I remember that Little House on the Prairie was a good show. Like, it's not, you know, cheesy like the old one. Can't bag me up for young children and blue bloods anymore, Colin. You lost all credibility there, my friend. <laughs> Ah, uh-huh, young Sheldon Blue Bloods, Little House on the Prairie, Colin, really? That's like saying Max Dawson. But uh, yeah, Winnipeg's Cameron Bancroft here. I mean, he he's not just the side character. I mean, we, we talk mostly about Agent Baker just because, you know, he went on to something bigger with Lost, but... Uh, Cameron Bancroft here. I mean, he he's in a good chunk of the season. I mean, he he gets a real introduction here. You know, he's going to be at odds with Tony, which I love. I wish we got more of this. This kind of just gets done away with after this episode with him being like, what's he doing here? You know, he's not authorized. Uh, and then point. Jack basically. Yeah. But, but and he does have a point. And really, this is going to be the thing going forward. There are people calling him Agent Almeida. And I'm like, nobody has okayed him to be here. He's tagging along with Jack. Jack hasn't even asked. Yeah, you know he doesn't ask until and next that's like week. Except next week when freaking she's all like, "Oh, you know, you're Jack Vowser." So if if I was friends with Jack, which I am, let's be honest, and like I just walked <laughs> in to see you and Ben Waterworth an agent, really, like you, yeah, I vouch for him. Like we know your rep- reputation. He's a traitor to the country, according to his legal file, Aaron. Who keeps asking to go home <laughs> while he's on assignment here? Next week he's been handed a gun. It's like what's this? Well, Jack vouches you. That's enough. I want to go home. I've got soccer to watch. <laughs> yeah. Get to work. Oh, you see that dog did in my yard? That's going to take hours to clean. <laughs> big fucking dog. All right. <laughs> but, but I do. I, I really do like this Agent Castle guy here that we're going to get for the next, uh, I don't know, like half a dozen or more episodes here. Um, and him with Tony, it's like, I, I'm a wanted man. I'm death sentence on 12 system. You watch yourself. Like they're very at each other's throats, but like Tony's just like, I don't have time for this, bro. Uh, but uh, <laughs> basically they're, they're going to find Dina's room here. This is that, that four ring thing that Edgar does. And they get to Dina's hotel and uh, when they get in there, Agent Castle just goes madman right away. And he he pokes his finger into her gunshot wound, which I'm like, that's a crazy move. Which even Jack's like, yeah, that was the right call. <laughs> I'm like, I had to call you off because you're getting a little crazy, but good job there, <laughs> Agent Castle. Um, and uh, the, uh, the uh, I, I guess we get a little bit of the backstory here with the Raz family after Jack's interrogating a little bit and has the file open on his computer. And this is where the plot holes start coming because they basically say they've been in the country for five years. Now, there's a trivia bit, which I don't know if you've gone to the trivia yet that, that actually already pokes a bit of hole in this. But the fact is you can't apply for citizenship till you've been 
in the country for five years. They've only been there for five years. They're citizens. The thing that I think is more plausible with this is that Nassim has obviously been there longer because he's a doctor. And I mean, maybe he sponsored them to get in the country. But like, I just find it weird that this family on both sides, this isn't just she married into and then he said, I'm a terrorist. You might as well stick around with me. There's no way that Nassim didn't know his brother-in-law is a terrorist when he obviously is the one who brought them here. And they've been here for five years. Beirut should still have some form of an accent, okay? Like, uh, you know, it may get mud a little bit, but like Beirut was 11, 12 years old when he moved to this country and he has no accent whatsoever. That part I just don't get at all. But again, minor thing, nitpicking here. Um, and uh, the, the Beirut, uh, I guess the, the phone call comes in. They, they, they have, they're using Beirut as leverage here. They want to... Um, essentially try to cut a deal here, which I love the way that Dina negotiates with them. You know, I want a full pardon for my son and everything. And what's so good about this is that you think at this point, every other scene with season we've seen a 24, a person gets caught. They're like, all right, I'm caught. I'll make a deal. Nina is kind of the prototype for this, but like Nina is a very different character. Nina is just all in it for herself. You know, she's, she's it's self-preservation other characters, Marianne, we've seen, right? Uh, the guy that Jack, the, the bad guard that let Jack in to tell them where they're, tell me where they're hiding him. Then this guy should just be killing himself. Dina, when they come in here, she's got a gun to her head. Like she still believes in her cause. And she even says it here when they're having this debate about, you know, oh, these are innocent people. She goes, Nobody's innocent. That's and so later on. In the, yeah. And then at the end of the, I'm, I'll jump a little bit ahead here at the oh. end of the episode where she says, I still 100% believe in my cause. I'm only doing this to save my son's life. That's what makes it so good when she bargains and says, I want a full presidential pardon. Jack on the phone call with the, the president, this is the first time he really does a direct communication. Everything else is always done through different channels, but he's he's calling up Keeler now. And I love that Keeler, which let's continue to say this, Keeler, the best president in 24, <laughs> because he says, fine, give a pardon. And then he immediately says, make sure that this is non-binding. Yeah. Yes, they're terrorists. I don't want it to be binding. Like, I understand where Dean is coming from. I understand Beruz is maybe slightly innocent here, but still he's committed some bad acts. Like, at least put him in juvie. Like, that. it's just fantastic the way this whole thing with Dean is uh, co- uh, covered here. Uh, we'll get to the other stuff after this once they, they have the agreement. Just everything up to the agreement here. Dina raising the gun to her head. Like, that still gives me chills seeing that now. I'll just say one thing before I forget is that, like, while right now 24 has a habit of every bad person has to be tortured no matter what yeah. uh, moving forward in the future. Every bad person caught will always make a deal no matter what. And they'll get away yeah. with it that they replace the torture with deals. Um, and I don't think we touched on the killer conversation. Was it with Aaron or uh, secretary Heller right at the very beginning? Oh, like, um, still on a plane, but um, I also love <laughs> like Jack's conversation. Cause yeah, you're right. Like this is this the first time we've ever had Jack directly deal with um, president. I think killer? it is. I think it is. And like, I kind of like their because you know Jack was present, Mister President Palmer. I respect you so much. You're amazing. Oh, Jack, I love you. Let's go have sex. Whereas like here, it's just like, damn it, killer, give me a thing. I don't want to give you one, Jack. Please, okay, sure, make it non-binding. Like it's kind of like a yeah. Jack's just not a Republican. Jack would be a Republican. <laughs> Seriously, Jack's not a Democrat. Come on, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Jack voted for Trump. We all know it. Um, but ah, uh, like. This is where I love this episode. When I say love, this isn't going to be a top 10 episode or anything, but like just the Jack and, and Dina stuff. Like, again, I'm jumping way ahead here. Like we, obviously we'll talk about the cliffhanger and that, but like 
you know, whereas last week the cliffhanger was a bit of a, you know, whatever, we've had a couple of anticlimactic cliffhangers. This is just like the way it's sort of like, I believe in my cause and I'm willing to, you know, just the way Jack sort of looks like, you get all that, like, you know, it's great. Uh, and also the one thing I, cause I'll probably forget about this next week, but like, I love the weird interplay because like you think about it, I, I felt like there was almost a plot hole here where it's like, well, why doesn't Navi just kill Baru? Surely Navi knows enough about Dina that he's dead. Well, she'll still go through with the cause. Cause we get this line. Like if Baru's dies, I will, I don't give a shit. I'll go down with yeah. the ship. I want this to go ahead. But like, I love kind of how like she, she knows if Baru's dead, boohoo, my son's dead, but fuck blow up the world. Whereas Navi's kind of like, oh shit, like if Baru's is dead, she's going to tell everything. So like, it's kind of like that weird level of all, all Navi has to do is kill Baru's, but he thinks it's going to go the other way around. So I like that. But um, yeah, you, when you kept saying this guy's name was Cameron Bancroft, who I'm also seeing here has been in like Smallfield, Mystery <laughs> Alaska, all that sort of stuff. I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I've heard of him. But then I'm thinking like, well, that's because there's a very famous Australian cricketer called Cameron Bancroft, <laughs> like very famous Australian cricketer. And I'm thinking like, Wait a minute. <laughs> um, so I don't think he's active anymore. He might. He played a few tests for Australia um, back in the day. But I'm kind of like, yeah, Cameron Bancroft. Okay, good for him. He's in acting now. But um, they, is it just me? Do they kind of look the same? <laughs> like if you yeah. actually look at their pictures. Oh, racist. They're I, both I, white. They must look I the same. I accidentally went to when I was trying to look up his filmography. I accidentally looked at the other one. I'm like, oh, this must be the guy. <laughs> but they, they actually kind of look the same so if they if, mm-hmm. if they ever want to do a Cameron Bancroft cricketer movie which I mean he's a big deal but he's never let's make a movie of him big deal uh they could get the actor Cameron Bancroft to play the cricketer Cameron Bancroft <laughs> so that would be a bit meta I don't think that's ever happened before I don't think we got a real Freddie Mercury playing Freddie Mercury did we um but yeah like I I didn't actually realize that um he league agent castle lee castle famous australian survivor player called lee castle dine also a cricketer there's this weird connection of cricketers to this guy um cricketers and hot grandmas yeah apparently theme of the week (laughs) i i didn't realize he was in it as long as he is because i think maybe i just i recognize daniel day kim more so i know he's in for a lot whereas i don't recognize very attractive white dude from manitoba (laughs) but is like here's the thing daniel day kim i think he may even be in less episodes over multiple seasons than cameron bancroft's in this maybe you'd have to do the ad adding up there for me i'll look it up yeah on par yeah but like i do kind of like that he actually played for the kamloops blazers in the whl but an accident prevented him from playing we could have had cameron bancroft in the nhl colin that, that must be why they've had him in Mystery Alaska. I've been to Kamloops. Play I think yeah. I've been to Kamloops. I've at least seen a sign. I think I drove through it. Kamloops. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I like kind of this like, you know, damn it, give me the thing. Don't do it. I agree with it, but don't do it. Um, <laughs> but like Dina's just like going to kill herself. Like it's just, yeah, like it's just a layer to her character. And it's just, I love all this build up stuff. And we're going to get into just this Jack and Dina stuff. I mean, Dina, Nina. Like, what is it with Jack with the Enas? Uh, where's a Boombarbina? Um, like, Flo Flina. What are famous Ena names? Tina. Where's Jack and Tina? Um, but Janity, Janina, Janatina. Colina. Colinina. Colinina. Isn't that, that that weather pattern that, like, prevents global warming? Well, that's El Nino. I don't know. I'm fucking not a weather scientist person. What's a weather? A, bu- a meteorologist. <laughs> what were you calling it? A weather scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Those weather scientists. I love people. meteorologists. They're um, fascinating people. When I worked at newspapers and I had to call up to do stories on the weather, I loved interviewing meteorologists because they're smart and they, they're passionate about weather and shit. Like, good for them. 
yeah, looking up Cameron Bancroft here, uh, he, I, I don't remember if this is, I, I haven't seen the final season of Unreal, but he was on several oh, episodes yeah. of Unreal. Yep. Um, uh, but uh, I want to find how many episodes he did at 24 because Daniel Lee Kim has 11. So it's actually very close. Daniel Lee Kim over what, two, is it three seasons? He said two he did seasons? 11, one, two, three, 11. four, five, six, seven, Nine eight. for Cameron Bancroft. Nine? I, I counted eight. Can I yeah. count? One, two, three, four, five, maybe, six, maybe seven, eight, nine. Maybe okay. he gets okay. a credit for a previously on or something. But yeah, they're basically on par. Um, I mean, th- there's these side characters that, you know, you only really remember them when you see them again, because they have no significance to the story. Um, So all the big stuff is going to happen here. When uh, Dina calls Beru, she basically admits, uh, and this is one of the things that I also didn't remember. I thought that uh, the way that this would happen was she would lure him to, Oh, you know, don't worry. I'm going to come meet you there. And then that's when Navi grabbed him. But she flat out tells him, yeah, I cut a deal with the government. You're going to be, you know, scot-free. Sorry, I'm just banging shit. Oh, yeah. I've got a point. I'm getting angry. I'm doing an Audrey. This is the episode, isn't it, where they intercept a phone call and this is where they all know what's happening with Beirut and Navi, right? Like This is a massive plot hole. They they had the phone call earlier on with the recording. This is how they found out about Beirut because they heard the way he called and said, I killed Tariq. This, This is where, like... It is a massive plot hole, and it just goes to the um, the uneven nature of twenty four technology. Uh, this is in the mm-hmm. beginning of the season when they couldn't find what's his face. So Jack's like, "Oh, we're gonna follow him to the compound. We can't find anything." Blah, blah blah. And then they intercept that phone call like an episode or two later. If they've got the ability to do this, why haven't they done this earlier? Like, it's like, mm. could they not yeah. have had phone calls well, talking about the terrorists and Secretary Heller? Did they have blocks on those? Like, it's just, I mean, is that what that little thing on the bottom of the phone is to prevent this? So, like, shouldn't there just be a line? saying like, oh, Baruz and Navi didn't have a thing on their phones. This is why we could intercept the phone call. Like, why can you intercept a phone call when it's convenient for the plot here, but you can't in other episodes when it's probably more convenient? Well, but, but the, the phone call that they're playing is from four or five episodes ago. So at least I thought what this was, was, you know, how, you know, the government is certain things. If you say a, a word over the phone, that's going to get flagged, but Let's it's going to take shall somebody we? actually. Terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> Blow up the White House. Where are the FBI? I'm waiting. <laughs> Kill Biden now. Um, waiting. Waiting. Kevin Spacey <laughs> is a good man. Where are they? <laughs> Harvey Weinstein is innocent. Where are they? Where are they? I like Meghan Markle. Where are they? Where are they? <laughs> but but I I assume this is like oh well it takes time for that call to be flagged then somebody to review in then it gets to the right. But they did it with the terrorist guy earlier when they found him in the car. They got that within like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then later on this season, there's more. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just, it annoys me. This is one of these things where I'm saying that they, they they have great ideas in the season. I don't feel like they explore enough because that whole thing with like the bandwidth, you know, uh, all those, oh, we're having all these problems because of the bandwidth from the the trial or anything. They're still dealing with that because Edgar, when Edgar's trying to call his mom, he's even saying, I need to get thrown a number. You're going to make it happen, you know? So, Maybe it's supposed to be that, but again, is that like bandwidth, that's or is that, that just because like, everyone in San Gabriel Island is busy? I think that's just yeah, more they're, they're all busy dying. I think the phone lines uh, are just jammed. But but it's still there. The fact they have to deal with there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, uh, yeah, so the, basically, she tells him, you know, don't go outside. Go to the ER. That's where it's gonna be busiest. Meet George Clooney. Uh, meet George Clooney. Make Eric LaSalle. Um, Manitoba. Possibly Noah Wiley. <laughs> Eric LaSalle, Manitoba, yeah. Future 24 uh, actor. I always forget Eric LaSalle randomly appears at the very end of season eight. So look forward to that. 
Uh, but um, yeah, so obviously this is where earlier uh, Navi had grabbed Beirut and everything, and uh, he's holding him hostage. Um, uh, there's a, a guy here. So when when Jack's looking for Beirut after Navi's got him, and there's a security guard or a police officer or something, and Jack's like, okay, you know, you, oh yeah, we saw you suspect. You matched your description. Okay, did you have a 17 year old boy with him? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't tell that's a 17 year old boy that he had under his arm. He's a pedophile. He's a pedo. He's telling her like, oh, 17. How would I know his age? I, I think so. Yeah. Well, geez, he's on to me. Like which part would confuse you? The 17 or the boy? I think it's pretty clear. Did you say? Mm. Really? So in another year he's legal. Hmm. Uh. That turns him off, Colin. If he's in a year he's legal, that's, he doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. I've only got a year left with him. Okay. Get him now. Uh, but yeah, this is where we get the, the Dina conversation with Jack, oh. where it's like, I need you to talk. About I believe in my cause. Uh, if you can't save uh, my son, then I'll be more than happy to see all those reactors melt down. And Jack with that line, which I'm going to put this up there is one of the best cliffhangers ever, just because of how it's edited and how it plays just with the, that line. And then Jack, did you get that? Mm. Dude, like they've never done something like that before. Like, or if they have, it's it's never been done this effectively. It's just a fantastic end to this episode. And, and funny, I was pretty positive on this episode, you know, before we started recording. But just talking about how some of the best bits in this outweigh some of the bad stuff. I mean, scenes like this, particularly Dina in this episode, just it, it makes up for a lot of the garbage. And I think, as much as I love this ending scene, I think maybe the one I like the most is just this this talk that Jack has with Dina in, in the hotel. Mm-hmm. So you kind of start with Jack, like washing his hands, washing his face. Like, you know, Dina's like passing out from, you know, she's about to die. Cause remember she got shot. I think that part's just, disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> she was nearly dead an episode ago. Now she's fine. <laughs> Give her some fucking Advil. She'll be right, mate. Um, but like, I just love this like conversation that Jack has. And he's kind of like, the whole sympathetic nature of like, I get, I get what you're doing. And like, she's like, what, you're a terrorist too. Shall we go to a meeting? Like, I mean, you know, fuck like uh, death to America. Um, that, That's going to get us flagged. But like just the way he kind of does his speech about like knowing what it means to protect a child in trouble. Like, and she's like, Oh, Kim, Oh, Cougars. Um, but it's just like, it's just such a great scene. And this goes back to what I was saying before, when you've got two great actors and not to take away, I'm not saying every other actor in these shows, this show is shit. But, like, it's just you've got an Academy Award nominee and Kiefer Sutherland should be an Academy Award nominee, let's be honest. But um, it's just it's just so good. And I just it just sells it. And then, like, later on when you kind of got, like, yeah, the, the cliffhanger. And even, like, weirdly, this is a weird praise. Carlos Bernard just standing in the background looking. Like, I mean, <laughs> what was it? Carlos looking. <laughs> what was that, like, octopusy when you said, what's the face if she didn't talk? She'd be a better actor. Yeah. Carlos, <laughs> don't talk. Just watch and you'll get an Emmy. Um, but it's just it's just so good. And, like, again, this would be a, a rentable episode if it wasn't for this, the the Araz and the Jack stuff. And just, like, Kiefer just, again, we don't need to sit here every week and praise Kiefer Sutherland because he's Kiefer fucking Sutherland. He's amazing. He always puts his all except for, like, one episode this season. But, like, it just... It's just so good. And this is where you can get an episode ago, Jack yelling at a helicopter, damn it, ah, to just sitting on a thing washing. Like, Jack washing his hands. He's like, fuck, mm. give him an Emmy. Like, yeah. <laughs> if this was Meryl Streep in a movie and her only scene was Meryl Streep washing her hands, 
deserve an Oscar nomination. Let's be honest. Meryl Fox is great. If if her face isn't on screen, they will create the category best supporting performance by a hand just to give it to Meryl Streep. There was a, a magazine in the background, like Meryl Streep's dramatic weight loss on the cover of like Who Weekly or whatever it is, and she doesn't even have a speaker on. The best uh, acting in a um a movie from a magazine it's actually funny so I, the, the academy award for best dramatic weight loss goes to <laughs> i i just and hopefully we will have and maybe you'll see it later this week a review on we're gonna have meryl streep we are yes i, I didn't want to mention it uh, christmas present um weird the uh, yankovic story i just watched yeah. it last night and there's like a whole sequence in that where like um Daniel Radcliffe plays Will Yankovic is like, I'm going to go on to become the best ever, well, maybe not the best ever, the the highest uh, grossing person in a specific music category that not many people listen to. <laughs> and like he, there's this whole sequence of him winning an award. It's like, and the nominees for the best singer, well, not really the best, the highest selling singer in a category of music that nobody really listens to are. <laughs> so like, it just reminds me of that. Anyway, um, great scene and really yeah. sells this episode. Um, what time is this episode going up? This is, is this after Christmas? <laughs> what time is it? Uh, well, for me, like, it's well, 10, day, 28 a.m. Uh, for you. What, uh, what day? At the time of recording this, Colin, this is going up Boxing day. on Boxing Day. So Merry, yeah, so Merry Christmas, Christmas yesterday. Um, I'm glad that we could bring you Meryl Street for Christmas. <laughs> oh. uh, now you got to deliver in the next six days. <laughs> Fuck. But, what would you do uh, if I did? What would you do if you woke up Christmas morning? <laughs> it's like the Oz Network. <laughs> Meryl Streep interview. And you'd be like, oh, Ben's pulling my leg. He's got, I literally got Meryl fucking straight. You'd be like, Ben, like, I'm, I'm going to bring back the Oscar, Oscars <laughs> for the, uh, the, the sole purpose of giving Meryl Streep the best guest on the Oz Network. Even, even our Meryl Streep interview would probably only get like 50 listeners, so it's fine. <laughs> can, we, can we do an Oscars for the Oz Network? Put up best interview. And we've got Joaquin de la Meda and you've got um, uh, Kim, Kim Raver French. No, but then let's just put Meryl Streep in there, having not interviewed her, just because you have to do Meryl Streep's got to be nominated. I want to do that whole thing we've talked about in the past where we just find someone on Facebook called Meryl Streep. Like the whole, <laughs> yeah. like the James yeah. Bond real name person movie, which is great. People should check it out. But like, I think I've told the story before they did that in Australia for one of the Bourne movies where a radio station found a real Matt Damon so that he could interview Matt Damon. So, like, they literally got Matt Damon off the street and, like, Matt Damon interviews Matt Damon. <laughs> Even the real, like, the actor Matt Damon didn't know this was happening. So, it was kind of funny. I remember, um, I probably mentioned this, too, when we've talked about this before, but uh, there was a, a radio stunt uh, where there was a massive contest to go see the Super Bowl when it was in Miami one year. And it got so much interest, so much media attention. And then they revealed on the day of when they called the winner. And this is, you're going to watch the Super Bowl in Miami Manitoba yeah. and Joe's bar. And, but yet it's funny because people here still like, well, that's a pretty good joke. And even the guy is like, all right, you got me. I'll go. That'll there, be was, fun. there was like famous ones. Wasn't there where like some couple like booked a honeymoon. Like we're going to London and they went to like London, Ontario or something. Ontario. Like that. Um, yeah. There, there's lots of, there, I know there's a Hobart in Indiana. Like, I mean, here, like one of the train lines here, there's a Beverly Hills. I think there's a Toronto in Sydney. So, you know, uh, for trivia, I already talked about the fact that um, the the Raz family getting their citizenship doesn't match up. This is the weirdest trivia I think we've ever read on the show. Because if this is real, I, I have to find this out. Um, Shannon Doherty, Shannon Doherty from Beverly Hills 90210, Shannon Doherty from Charmed, was a huge fan of 24 and visited the set on multiple occasions and was even 
invited to provide DVD commentary for this episode. So the DVDs for this episode apparently just have Shannon Doherty as a fan of 24 on the commentary, which I, I'm I'm curious to hear that because um, Jamie's aunt had cleaned out a bunch of DVDs and gave them all to us. And uh, 24, there were several 24 seasons in there. So I was excited. I'm like, I'm going to get the, I'll be able to listen to the commentary. I'll be able to be like Nick. I can be the expert who can tell you about the commentaries when you watch an episode. But Jamie's mom decided she was going to watch them first before giving it to us. But when I get that, I want to see it. Is Shannon Doherty actually on the commentary for this episode? How have we managed to bring up Rose McGowan in a completely different context <laughs> and somehow Shannon Doherty, another actress that Rose McGowan replaced gets brought up that's and the only good one from that show is not brought up (laughs) and like the fact of the matter is like they've so prominent is this trivia that freaking 24 wiki have given Shannon Doherty her own page um is it just me would Shannon Doherty actually be really good in 24 like oh I mean she has that same like she's so snotty you 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 know appreciate her I'm seeing her as like a like she would work as Chloe or like a government person I'm seeing her like in a like a Wendy Crewson's type character last it. Like, I don't know. Marcy. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I, I, like I, I love this whole stigma around Shannon Doherty. Cause she's apparently a massive bitch, but like, I just, I've always liked Shannon Doherty. Like I, I stopped watching charm after she left and this isn't like protest against Shannon Doherty. It just literally, I watched the Rose McGowan episode afterwards. And I'm like, this is shit. So I, I, I think I've told that story before I watched like the first three season of charm and gave up because no Shannon Doherty, no charmed. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see her in Twitter. That's a cool trivia fact. I want to, I want this. I don't own the DVDs anymore, but I want it to hear Shannon Doherty commentates 24. Why not? That's as soon as I get those, that's the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to this commentary just to hear it. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. Like I like if you get fans, you know, to do, sometimes it's good to have commentaries from people who aren't involved in it. And very few people do that, but like, I would love to hear other famous people just coming on and be like, oh, this is my favorite we, episode. We could be on a commentary. Oh, we are, clearly. But we talked about that, I think, on Breaking Bad because I think it was during the last season that they got, like, Snoop Dogg and all these, like, really famous, like, fans to get on, like, Talking Bad or whatever and talk about their love of the show. So, and I, like, it's it's blocked me. I know there are some very famous 24 fans out there that back in the day they would be like, oh, did you know that this person is a big 24 fan? Like, and, mm. you know, I know they've done that, like, with Lost and stuff like that. But, um... Yeah, no, that's cool. I like that fact. Shannon Doherty, Shannon Doherty month coming soon to the Oz Network. <laughs> um, we have. Oh, I, I was about to talk what we we're going to do next week, but I guess we have to rank this still. And oh, I'm still up midway through my nap here. Um, yeah, I mean, you said <laughs> my name is Colin. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to there before the end of the episode. Uh, you said you're buying this episode. I'm with you. I'm buying this one. Um, far as ranking it goes. Uh, I don't know whether this is going to be like, yeah, it's not a top 10 episode for me, but uh, I'm just looking here. I'm going to put this, I think I will put this maybe somewhere around. I'm stalling for time as I'm trying to see what episodes there are here. Um, I'm going to put it 28. So uh, season season two, episode seven and season one, episode 22. Cause I think that there's things in this episode that just, it make it, it makes it so memorable. And yeah, the bad stuff drags it down a little bit, but I feel like the good stuff more than makes up for it. Um, More, Roger Moore. Uh, I've got it 33rd. So I've got it below episode 19 of season three and above season three, episode two. Um, Yeah. I think the solid stuff with Dina and Jack, uh, good cliffhanger. Uh, I like the Navi and Baru stuff. Um, Don't like the Edgar and his mother stuff, Um, but the Curtis Aaron stuff's good. Audrey's killing it again. Um, I think 
it does create problems moving into the next few weeks because, again, where the fuck is Sarah? Where the fuck is Marianne? Like, just <laughs> shit like that would just, yeah. You know, and don't get, like, I know you're about to talk about next week, but I'm just saying this right now. Uh, this will be the last episode I buy for a bit of a streak here. Uh, <laughs> so. Now, you've you've teased that, <laughs> oh. but I'm, I'm curious when we get to next week whether this is an episode that you uh, hate or if it's just I'm not buying it because I, I, there's stuff I really like next oh, week. No. Uh, now, we will get Marianne back. We will get Sarah back. Where do they go? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they were busy for an hour. Uh, just regaining consciousness, but there's other stuff next week. I, I feel like, especially the opening, and it's not on the level with Jack Storm's Omar's Palace, but he goes very James Bond, and there's little details at the beginning of the next episode that the Beirut's rescue or whatever that I think is like some of the best stuff we're going to get this season. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe you you're going to end up completely hating this episode and, and turning me around. I'm not saying that it is, I love this episode next week, but I think I probably will end up liking it more than you. I always like turning you around, Colin. Um. Yeah, the opening stuff is decent. Um, it's just there's a storyline that begins next week, which it just screams just stupidity and it fucking annoys me. Um, and there's like some massive plot hole, like <laughs> terrible dialogue in next week's episode as well. There's just, yeah, the next few weeks are not among my favorite stretches in 24. But unlike other seasons, they turn this around, which I'm very thankful for because we get some top 10 episodes in this season still to come. Um, so we've got some great, great stuff still to come in this season. But just strap in for the next few weeks with my opinions because it's the next three episodes, which I am not going to be kind about at all. And, yeah, there's just stuff going on. We're, I will say I'm pretty happy that we're close to uh, one of the most cheesiest, over-the-top, dumbest moments in all of 24 in a couple of weeks. Jack tries to stop an EMP with anger. Uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> I mean, it almost worked with the helicopter. <laughs> uh, I, I literally, when I rewatched it uh, a couple of months ago, I, I can't remember what the screenshot was for that episode, but I had to screenshot this shot of Jack, like trying to stop an EMP <laughs> yelling at it, basically. So it's is just, that our graphic? Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, just um, yeah, I, I hope you're on the same page as me, but maybe you're not. So we'll see. Um, we've wrapped up Christmas. So our best of Christmas, if you're still in the Christmas spirit, you can go back and listen to last of those and last of our home improvement Christmas specials. Best of drops uh, we this do- week. The best of will be the next thing coming out, probably the last thing coming out. So this is the last new thing we're releasing this year, unless we haven't recorded Avatar, the way to water or, um, weird, weird Al yet. And maybe spirited. If you haven't watched that, I might do a solo one on that. Cause um... <laughs> a post Christmas, uh, re- review of spirited, maybe. Uh, but oh, you may have heard it before Christmas. Who knows? But uh, we we, yeah, we definitely do these in a way those. that you all know is happening. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> Meryl Streep interview yesterday was great. <laughs> but uh, next year we don't have anything official announced yet. We got some good ideas, uh, but we'll we'll keep plugging away on twenty four. And Rossi was Rocky. asking about maybe actually Rocky was asking about maybe covering the Mandalorian. I don't know if he wants to go back oh. to the entire series does, or just does Rocky do just have carte blanche on this show. As soon as he like blinks, oh, he wants it. Oh, let's do it. Rocky. Like, I mean, I didn't realize Rocky was so powerful on this show. Well, well, he, I know we talked about maybe doing the Mandalorian at some point. I don't know if we're going to do it the same as Obi-Wan where we just cover weekly, but, um, I have a shit to do. I have, have a job now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> ben has a job and no longer has time to podcast. Um, yeah, but Mandalorian is a couple months away. Anyways, um, we'll be back next week and 
sadly, Edgar's mom will not. Um, my name is Colin, and um, all I want is the boy. <laughs> oh, Colin. Uh, my name is Ben, and it's okay. I'm going to a better place. I'll see you there, but not for a long time, okay? Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.